0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Before we go into the main part of the show, I want to let you know about a new online PR course for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs that I'm running. It's called Vegans in the Limelight, and it starts in June. That's 2017, if you're listening in the future. And you'll learn how to get free publicity by getting yourself featured in the media on a regular basis. Now, the course is particularly for vegan professionals who can't afford to hire a PR firm or a publicist at the moment. And I'm running it because I see so many vegan business owners, authors and entrepreneurs missing out on golden opportunities to get into the media, either because they're not confident in approaching journalists because they don't have the skills or they're pitching the media the wrong way. So I'm going to share with you the strategies and techniques for how to do your own PR The course is tailored specifically for vegan business owners, so there'll be downloadable templates, case studies, and bite-sized video training. You'll be able to post questions on the learning platform, which I'll personally respond to, and there'll also be three live group calls you can jump on to ask me anything about getting into the media, and I'll give you answers specifically for your business, so you're not going to be left to struggle along on your own with the course. So if you're keen to get your vegan brand in the limelight, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where there's a link to the course with all the details. And I'll also put the link on the show notes page. In this episode, I interviewed Dan Pinay, a vegan Facebook marketer and founder of Organic Digital in Melbourne, Australia. Dan works with clients from across the globe, tailoring Facebook advertising solutions for them by creating a full campaign from start to finish. He specialises in small businesses that are looking to scale their operations through methods that are right for their particular model. An experienced digital marketer, Dan has a background and interest in sport, He's held positions at Swimming Victoria and professional rugby team Melbourne Storm and was the social media consultant at Channel 10's Thursday night sports show. Some of the brands he's worked with include the Australian Open Tennis Tournament and organic fair trade footwear company Etico. In this interview, Dan talks about the two key types of organic posts that are most important and getting strong reach right now on Facebook – How organic and paid reach work together. Whether or not to use Facebook's boost button. The importance of developing a Facebook advertising strategy. Most businesses fail to do this. How to ensure you're targeting the right people with your ads. The importance of creating custom audiences how to use Facebook Live videos to promote your brand after as well as during the live presentation, how to figure out what budget to use for your Facebook ads, and much more. Here's the interview with Dan Pinay of Organic Digital. Hello, Dan. Thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Hey, Katrina. Thanks so much for having me. It's an mm. absolute pleasure.
0: Oh, no, I'm, I'm really happy to have someone with your expertise on particularly around Facebook and Facebook advertising because I know this is something I get asked a lot about and I know that a lot of vegan business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, get quite stuck on because it, it can be a bit of a complex beast, shall we say. So, but first of all, I want to kick off with just knowing a little bit more about you in terms of your why. So, what are your drivers for running the business that you, you're running? And um, tell us a little bit about why you're particularly focusing now as well on helping vegan business owners yeah
1: well my skill set sort of evolved over so many years I mean I've been in digital marketing for 10 years or so now and I've actually got a a background in sport and working for some professional sports teams and managing their digital marketing and um, that was really laid the basis for how the tactics and how I would also use digital marketing as a, you know, a way to connect with sports fans and uh, with followers and obviously create business outcomes as well and being in that sort of atmosphere and uh, doing that day in day out was pretty hectic so from uh, my sporting background I, I kind of sought something that was uh, a little bit more of a lifestyle that I wanted to live. Um, and as people obviously grow and they mature and their values change, uh, I got into more of, uh, went into the corporate world for a little bit actually, but, um, found some clients of my own and created organic digital and haven't really looked back. And now I'm, I've moved in to helping vegan businesses because something that I'm passionate about as an individual um, and there's nothing better than combining uh, what you're knowledgeable about with something that you also love as a person as well. So really, um, I'm moving into helping more vegan businesses because I truly believe that that I think they should be in front of as many vegans or potential vegans as possible. So whatever I can do to help them um, to reach the most relevant people out there, is why I do this every day
0: fantastic fantastic so let's get stuck into it then let's start with Facebook well let's start with a general question about social in general what would you say then are some of the key or the main challenges that you hear from from business owners in regards to social media and perhaps especially Facebook
1: yeah look look, time is always the biggest one Um, that's the first thing that everyone will say is I don't have time but it is the most obvious one but it's really that they just don't see the value in it at the moment and how they can connect what they're doing on social media to their business outcomes. And it's funny how people manage to find time once they realize that it's making a difference on their balance sheet. But um, <laughs> the time is the biggest one. So getting through that and educating them uh, around the benefits to them as a business um, and how they can link what they're doing to, uh, I guess, their, their business outcomes. And that is – A pretty long process because there is a lot of information out there and it's really confusing. And particularly now, they're just bombarded with Facebook advertising, for example, around uh, the information out there and not knowing what, what's sure, not, they're not sure what is legitimate, what isn't legitimate, um, whether it's right for their business. Um, but the biggest thing and the biggest challenge I first deal with businesses is. Why they're actually on social media, um, why, why they do what they do and what success looks like to them. And when I ask that question, often a lot of people don't know that final answer. Um, so how they can actually draw a link between what they're doing on social media to how it affects their business is the biggest challenge that um, businesses have and I guess that's my role in trying to help educate them and how they can see the benefits of it.
0: Mm, that's great. That makes a lot of sense, actually. There are a couple of things that were going through my mind as he were saying that. And one is, yes, particularly about why you're on social media not having you know enough time um, to do it certainly for I know for service providers that I speak yeah. to you know they're kind of like well I don't think it works for my business it's all right if you're selling chocolate or shoes you yeah. know making a quick sale but you know for my business it doesn't work so we'll, we'll dig into that in a little bit but I, I'm glad that yeah. you, you've raised that and and like you say you know the importance of okay well you're on social media but that's great and it can be fun you know and we can all get sucked into I can certainly get sucked into the Facebook vortex <laughs> but it, it's in important, like you say, to connect it with how relevant is it to your business. So in terms of Facebook, it's become very much pay to play uh, Mm. for businesses and brands. So does this mean then, Dan, in your view, does that mean that then organic reach is kind of over or if not, how can the two work together, organic and paid?
1: Yeah. So yes, organic reach is dead, but with a little asterisk.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... I still think that organic um, posts on Facebook are still relevant for a couple of reasons. Um, One being that people still visit your page organically when they, you think about where the links are to your Facebook page around the web and they appear in Google results and they're linked from other social media profiles and other people share them. So you still need to maintain your relevancy when people go through and actually visit your Facebook page. And if they don't see anything that's in you know the last month or six months and they know that Perhaps there's something other. I'm not sure. Whether there's something wrong with your business, but um, it's not a great look as a first impression. Look at it that way. Yeah. Um, so you need to maintain your organic social media by posting regularly. But some of the things that you can put on your organic social media, the only really two things that are working at the moment um, are one is video, and the other is Facebook Live video. Um, Facebook are heavily promoting them in the news feeds and the news feed algorithm is basically which dictates what people see in their news feed. Um, They're heavily promoting video and particularly live video over anything else. So if you're going to do organic social media, you just need to either make sure it's video or live video Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to get decent organic reach. Otherwise... Yes, that you, you're really just not going to be able to um, reach, a, 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 I guess, a critical mass of your overall likes on your Facebook page.
0: Got it, got it. Mm. Cool. So, and we're going to dig into Facebook Live and the video in a bit, but let's talk about Facebook advertising, because like you say, you've pretty much said, you know, it is pay to play. So first of all, there's different schools of thought, like you mentioned, there's so much information out there and it's Mm. difficult to know, well, who's the expert, what's right, what's wrong and and what may be relevant to one business, maybe not be relevant to another. Let's get this out of the way about the boost button, you know, (laughs) because often we post something organically and then Facebook will say, you know, boost this post, you know, reach more people. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the boost button versus Say, going into Ads Manager, for example, should we ever use the boost button or never use it? If so, when? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the
1: big, shiny <laughs> boost button. It sits there and it's very tempting. And like you say, you get notifications from Facebook to say, this post is performing really well. You should yeah. promote it so more people can see it. And it's really tempting to say, yes, I would love more people to see my business. So, um, look, the boost button, there's nothing wrong with a boost button, but I just generally don't use it because when I do Facebook advertising, I take a step back and look at the overall Facebook advertising strategy. So when I set up advertisements, um, I would set them up via Facebook ads or I use Power Editor um, to set them up so I can see the whole campaign as a whole and uh, the overarching whole campaign. Now, I would use the boost button if, say, for instance, um, and I promote organic posts within a campaign, um, and if I'm going to promote that organic post uh, within that campaign, then, yeah, I can use the boost button. Um, there's nothing wrong with using it. It's just that when I go to set up campaigns, I usually set up a lot of different ads and a lot of different headsets, um, and I like to set them all up at once, and Power a not only has some more advanced features around uh, bidding and targeting, um, but it's just got some uh, I guess, some little hacks to save you time. That's the biggest thing for me to be able to duplicate things and and test things. Um, so yes, there's nothing wrong with a boost button, so to speak. Um, it, you're still paying Facebook the money you would pay if you were set it up via Power Editor, but it just might be a little bit more targeted, and I would say only use the boost button if it's part of an overall campaign and it's not just a once-off or without knowing exactly what the end goal is that you want from your Facebook advertising.
0: Okay, got it, got it. Now, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Fantastic. So, Mm -hmm. now, we've heard a lot of people say, and I think you've touched on this, that Facebook ads don't work, they're a scam, the only people making Mm -hmm. money are Facebook itself, Mm -hmm. while, you know, others are seeing great success with them. So, why is there such a discrepancy, and what are the former not doing that the latter who are being successful are doing?
1: yeah i mean ninety nine percent of the time it's probably user error from a um they're getting results that they don't want, and I, look, I've seen the videos out there and people saying that you know I've got likes or I've got visitors from overseas, and I don't want these um countries visiting my website or their fake profiles et cetera yeah. and that's that's really just targeting the wrong countries um, and if your audience isn't there then don't send serve the ads to them and that's pretty pretty simple well that could um, be fair
0: Dan I have heard mm. people say look I actually targeted to say Australia or the US mm. but I'm still getting likes and comments from these outside places but I, I don't know if that's something you can speak to there's kind of maybe I don't know that Facebook are <clears throat> I don't know doing something or other not quite playing fair and I know there was some headlines a few years back about around that but I, I don't know if that's something you could
1: yeah, look, their targeting's is um, pretty good as far as user information they've got on people. A lot of the time that can actually happen via um, organic reach. So uh-huh. when uh, you have a Facebook and it's still like anyone can link to that. And if it shows in their feed, um, uh-huh. people can still share that post. They can still comment on it. Their friends see it. Their friends of friends see it as well. So a lot of these things can actually spiral from organic reach of oh, these Facebook okay. posts. Cool. So sometimes people don't take that into consideration, um, and usually organic reach is a great thing. If you're getting people share in your ad, um, that's that's free exposure, but that may result into people that you didn't initially target. Got so cool. that's sometimes the solution or the reason why some people are seeing it that, that perhaps you didn't expect to. <laughs> oh,
0: all right. So you yeah. were saying about some of the things that the the people who are saying, "Oh, it's all a big scam," whatever. What are they not doing that they should be doing?
1: Yeah, the biggest thing the that people need to do before even going into setting up a new campaign is just taking a step back and thinking what is the strategy around Facebook advertising? And you need to treat Facebook differently than any other medium. As you would, you know, any other advertising um medium that you would have out there, whether it be Google, newspaper, billboards, whatever it is, you need to think about what you're going to put in front of people, how you're going to put in, in front of them um, and what's relevant to them as well. So I usually start from the end goal and then work back from there. And when I work with clients, whatever that end goal, if it's a conversion, as a lead, as a purchase, whatever it is, knowing that um, it used to be you know, the old adage of uh a, a user had to see a brand at least three times before they would make a purchasing decision. Well, now that's upwards of seven, eight, nine times, yeah. even seen as recent 16, 17 times, depending on what industry you're in, obviously. So you need to think about, all right, well, if the last step is converting and the first step is that they've seen my brand or my logo for the first time, What do I need to put in front of them to move them along that funnel or that journey, call it what you will, to the point of converting? So it's no longer just putting up an offer in front of them and moving them from A to B. It's more like moving them from A to X, Y, or Z um, at the end. So you need to be able to put the advertiser, and that's the beauty of Facebook advertisement is that you can put the ads in front of them at the right time and um, they can be triggered around certain behaviours or um, depending on what they do on or off Facebook and you know that you're the right people are seeing the right offer. So mm. it's just taking that initial step back and thinking how am I going to move them along and what gaps do I need to plug? Um, with Facebook advertising, it might be a natural progression that sometimes the first step might be that they like your page and then they might click through and read a blog post from there but then how do I get them onto my email list or how do I get them uh, to watch my Facebook Live video or get them to my YouTube channel or whatever it is and then how do I move them from that step to potentially into a sales funnel of Um, serving them the right product and how can I remarket to them. So there's so many different steps in between and really it's just people not treating it like Facebook needs to be treated which is telling your overarching brand story because there are so many advertisements on Facebook at the moment and people are bombarded with them. I mean just last week or might have been the week before Facebook announced that they just – ticked over 5 million advertisers uh, on Facebook. And they've got those last million advertisers. They've gone 4 to 5 million advertisers in the last seven months.
0: Really? Wow.
1: So it's getting flooded with advertisers out there. And there's a lot of junk. Um, So – But with that provides a great opportunity for you to stand out by putting something out there that's valuable to the user. And that's all Facebook want to do. They want to create a great user experience for the Facebook user, not necessarily for your business. um, But if the offer that you're putting out there is relevant to that user and it's going to add value to them in their Facebook experience, then Facebook will serve it to them. Um, So you just need to make sure that it's relevant and There are a lot of different steps in between getting them from point A to point B xyz like got i said it.
0: yeah and no, i like that you said that i think you're right often that people say oh well it doesn't work and they've maybe just had one quick go you know they've maybe thrown mm. up an ad and not really knowing what they're doing and then gone oh i've spent all this money and i haven't made any money so <laughs> yeah, yeah I've got, it's good that you said that it's all part yeah, of Yeah, and that
1: would happen anywhere else regardless of whether it's facebook or google or if you put up a billboard you could put up saying we've got this amazing sale but if they've never seen your brand before yeah. of course they're not going to convert so it's more human nature and that's Facebook is, you know, the biggest um, emotional intelligence experiment out there with so many different users, <laughs> it's
0: true. and
1: getting well. to know people, um, yeah, is one thing you're able to do via Facebook advertising.
0: For sure. Now, I want to talk a little bit about these um, kind of outcomes or marketing goals that you can have for a Facebook ad. So there's things like post engagement. There's video views. You can select clicks to an external website, conversions to on an external website and and many others. So I'm going to give an example. So let's say a brand's organic reach is very low and they want to promote a blog post that's on their own website. So it could be, I don't know, recipe for vegan chocolate cake or it could be, say, a blog post uh, like the type, the how to that I have on say vegan business media. In that instance, then, Dan, is it better to select post engagement to try to get as many kind of targeted likes and comments within Facebook or is it better to select clicks to external website to get them to actually go onto your own site and read the content, say it's a blog, and then while they're there, they can also see what else you do. And if you've got an upsell at the end of the bottom of that blog post, then obviously they get exposed to that. So can you just talk a little bit about why you might do either of those and what the difference is between them?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that I always, when I'm choosing the Facebook campaign objective, and that's the first screen that you see when you go and set up a new campaign is I relate the objective to whatever it is, whatever the final behavior you want them to perform in that campaign. So if it is clicking through to a website, it would be clicks to website. Now, if the end goal was actually for you to generate a lead, um, from that, and maybe for them to sign up to your email um, list, I would then choose conversions if it was going through to a landing page that allowed people to sign up for your email list, for instance. So you need to link whatever it is um, that you want the user to actually do to whatever the campaign objective is. So, so,
0: so say, for example, so say I've got a blog post and it was, I think it's quite mm-hmm. popular, like 10 things you should never say to a journalist, uh, you know, kind of thing if you want yeah. free publicity for your vegan brand. So obviously I wanted people to read that, but also I wanted them to go onto my site and read it and then they could see that I, you know, I'm running an online PR course and I had a little upsell at the end of that. So my, my objective, I guess, was, it was almost twofold. It was one to get, yeah, people maps that didn't know me, to read that really helpful blog post and see that I knew what I'm talking about and then potentially to click through and check out my course. So how does that work when you've almost got like two uh, aims, if you like?
1: Yeah. So the one thing about it is Facebook with their algorithm, they will put ads in front of people that are most likely to perform the behavior that is the objective around that campaign. So because they've got so much um, data on their users and the behaviors that they perform. They know who is more likely to watch a video, they know who is more likely to click through to a website, they know who is more likely to purchase or to sign up for something based on their previous browsing habits, um, ads that they've converted from before, uh, websites that they browse on and off Facebook as well. Um, so with that technique, there, there are two different things that you could do with that example, for instance. So if um, it was you wanted to get eyeballs on that actual blog post itself and that was the key to, let's say, um, for instance, it was early on in your sales funnel, then I would use a click clicks to website objective because you want to get them to go through and actually read that blog post. But because they visited through your website, you can use the Facebook pixel, which basically um, tracks them and then you can set up a remarketing campaign that's then targeted to that the objective objective is then conversions that then says sign up for our email list here. So it's using two different techniques and two different ad objectives um, but more specific around to what the actual end goal is. Mm
0: -hmm. So if you want
1: to drive that traffic, then you need user to use it to clicks the website. And that's probably two-thirds of the campaigns that we use because generally we're driving traffic and we want to get them um, through to our website yeah. because on there we have the Facebook pixel installed yeah. where we can then retarget to them and we can make that more specific um, depending on what page they hit. So if that blog post, if they're obviously interested in the PR side of things, then you can send them an advertisement about your online PR course that then upsells them or retargets them to get them to convert, and I would use a conversion campaign for that. Whereas if it was, say, going through to the blog guest post that I did around Facebook advertising, then you might want to send them another advertisement that, I don't know if you had a a Facebook ads call or another Facebook ads piece of content, for instance, on your website, because they gauge that interest by browsing through your website.
0: That's interesting Now, because what I wanted to ask then as well is can you switch um, your goal part way through because one thing I've heard is that even if you want people to go and read say the blog post on your website, the more likes and comments a post gets even if it's like a paid post like you know, you've put it up and you're promoting it, the more yeah. likes and comments it gets the more likely it will show organically or the more likely Facebook will show it more often if it's got lots of likes and comments. So I'm wondering would it be better to go in and initially get a whole load of Good targeted likes and comments, and then click, then select clicks to website. Or is that not the right thing to do?
1: Yeah, I have, I have used that technique before. And what you can actually do is, um, yeah, you're absolutely right around the social proof with Facebook. Facebook loves seeing that people are reacting to something that is relevant to them, so they are more likely to show it to people if it's relevant to that audience that you've selected. So you can actually use the same single post um, by getting a, a post ID um, in your adverts manager and setting that up. And you can create a campaign that is post engagement and getting some, like you said, likes, comments on the post first, getting that yeah. social proof. And then what you would actually do is you would set up a new campaign so you wouldn't change a campaign oh, objective. Okay. You would set up a new campaign that said uh, that was a to website um, objective and then you would bring in that post ID from that first one that's got the social proof and you would use that in the campaign. Facebook sees it's got social proof, oh, they know that it's relevant right. and then serve that to people and they know that uh, it's relevant to them and they'll show it to people that are most likely to click on advertisements and browse to different news stories from around the web. Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. Now that's handy. And so again, this will probably be the same thing. Then you know, like so, you said you wouldn't. You actually set up a new campaign with the different objective. Is that the same for if you were targeting different countries? So say you ran, say that blog post to visit for UK visitors only. Mm. You would then set up a separate one to show to Australia and a separate one to the US, rather than changing the country in the same ad.
1: Yeah, look, it's completely up to you if you want a true, uh, I guess, a split test around the countries. What you can actually do is you can have the one uh, campaign. So the overarching campaign might be the clicks the website objective. And then you could split the countries via each ad set and then have the same. So they're all seeing the same ad. So Australia sees the same ad, UK seems the same ad, same sees the same ad, US sees the same ad, etc. Yeah. And then you've got a true indication on which country performs best. But nice. keep in mind that you can also group all of those countries into the one ad set and Facebook again will show it to the people within those countries that are most likely to perform that objective that you've got. Which so, do you
0: recommend?
1: I, purely from a budgeting perspective, because you have a minimum of $5 per ad set, Um so the more ad sets you get, the more you need to spend. So I actually group them together, and I let the Facebook algorithm do its thing. If wow. people in the US are more interested in what I have to say, then that's completely fine. I mean... I, It doesn't matter where the traffic or the visitors or the conversions come from. um, Facebook will be able to find them for me. So I trust that they're showing it to the right people within those countries. And you can also filter your results via location. So if you've got, when you go into your results and uh, an ad set, you can actually go to the breakdown and see which countries are performing best as well. So you've got the overarching um, ad set results and let's say it's 20 cents a click or whatever. You can then uh, filter by location and it'll show you filtered by country and which country is performing best. And then you can simply edit that ad set and turn off any countries that aren't performing well. Um, Or maybe if there's one that's an outstanding one, then you can take that out and create its own ad set as well, just targeting. People to that country Got as well, it. and see yeah, if Facebook does that as well. Oh, that's so, good yeah,
0: good thank you. Yeah, oh, no, no problem. Great. So, just on that, then, in terms of say, targeting people for interests and uh, this is a quite a specific question, but I know there are a lot of people out there within the health. Um, uh field and particularly you know plant-based practitioners and say for example like my partner's a hypnotherapist i'm going to use Mm. this example because i know she does say to me oh facebook advertising doesn't work (laughs) for me and my profession so i'm going to deliberately use this so say for example you've got someone like a hypnotherapist now if you selected as a target demographic people who are interested in hypnotherapy or hypnosis most people don't put that on their profile because they're not interested in it um, unless they're another health practitioner so that way you would be targeting other health practitioners like your competitors so then it kind of wouldn't work same with even something as broad as health so uh, and uh, so certainly you know unless they've got a health you know uh, issue for example and still they may not list they said they had something wrong with their thyroid but they're not necessarily again going to list that as an interest (laughs) so and even something as broad as chocolate like we all you know most of us like chocolate or we know we might like (laughs) fashionable (laughs) shoes so how can service providers when they're running facebook ads, how can they make sure that they're targeting the right people with their ads
1: Yeah, so Facebook... Does for starters have a lot of data on its user base, and not just the 1.7 million, pe- 1.7 billion rather um, users on Facebook and what they do on and off Facebook, but they also partner with a lot of different um, data centers around the world to bring in data around purchasing behaviors for you know the car and the housing industries are a big one. and I know they've partnered with some big firms in the USA. They know they now now know when someone is in the market for a car or for a new house, for instance. Based on what they've bought before, and by connecting the data from those um, from those service providers, sorry, from those data providers into their database, and then finding those people that have got a registered Facebook profile, and linking that particular aspect um, or that purchase to that Facebook profile. So there is a lot of data out there, but absolutely for your service providers that particularly around the hypnotherapy and, yeah, they're not going to list if they've got a thyroid problem. But before you even get into an interest or behaviour-based side of things, you need to look at whether you can get that audience elsewhere beforehand. So um, looking at things like if you don't have a, if you don't have a Facebook pixel installed on your website at the moment, then um, pause this episode and get out there and install one on your website now because basically it tracks the browsers what um, that hit your website and uh, where they hit particular pages. It also helps you track all of your conversions, um, but that's, the ideal, um, for all Facebook advertising, what we try to do is to move away from the interests and behaviors and bring them into things like custom audiences. So we know that, um, the people that have browsed the websites before, we can upload, uh, email lists or purchases lists, et cetera. And we can bring all of these different data sets and information that we've got around our user base from elsewhere that we've had. Um, There before from, you know, our email subscriber list, et cetera, and bring them into Facebook. And then when we upload them, we can do things like lookalike audiences where basically Facebook will have a look at that. Um, that audience that you've uploaded or the uh, the information around your website browsers and then it'll pull out common traits of each of them and you can then create a lookalike audience which is basically you target it per country and use you know, Australia, for instance. It'll say, find a lookalike of my website browsers and it'll have a look at who's hit my website before. It'll look at all of their personal traits and then it'll go find Facebook users that are very similar to them right. and it'll try to bring them. So it's
0: almost like you're saying then Facebook advertising may not work necessarily for a brand new brand that hasn't got any of that, so hasn't even got any existing customers or an email list. Would that be right?
1: Uh, No, because there is another way around it, which um, before – if you don't have any existing data, um, you want to put something out there. really just starting at a broader audience. So think about – what their target audience is, and there might be some common traits around their customer behaviour. And this is often, sometimes, what takes the longest time when you set up a campaign is finding the right audience that react to what you have to say. So let's take the hypnotherapy for instance. Um, if I were to think about the customers, um, and this is going to be really broad, by the way, so <laughs> excuse me if I'm off, uh, if I don't get it <laughs> completely right. But let's say um, that uh, the Client and customer base are people, let's say, 40, 45 years old or older that might have, for instance, chronic pain or something that they want to treat through hypnotherapy. And what I can then do is I can set up a really broad um, audience, for instance, that have just got some basic demographics. So they might be 45 plus. Um, if there 's any particular gender, I can um, do that as well, and I might need to be in within a certain certain radius of that clinic to be able to come in and visit yeah. and Then what I would actually put in front of them is uh, something that facebook 's introduced in the last twelve to eighteen months, which is video remarketing so using a video is I guess your hero. Um, piece of content, what you can actually do is you can retarget people based on how long they watch that video. So if I was to put, uh, if I was to speak to that broad audience, it might be just a really broad topic and it, it wouldn't be an advertisement that says this is what hypnotherapy is. It might be just an advertisement that talks to people around aches and pains and do you have a chronic illness or um, chronic that you would like to be treated by hypnotherapy and it might be just talking about it as a broad topic and then maybe there is you know uh, an offer at the end it might be a, like a, a checklist or a download around you know find out how to better, better diagnose what your issue is or what the best treatment might be and if they go through and they convert great you've got their details you can then market to them via email perfect if they don't convert though but they've watched, for instance, if you've got a minute to two minute video, um, the person that watches, let's say, use fifty percent as the threshold, that watches at least thirty seconds of a of a minute long video, is clearly more interested in what you have to say than someone that browses through and and scrolls past only watches thirty seconds So using the video and hero at the top, can then generate an all that have actually watched that video, and then again using Facebook's lookalike feature, you can send this advertisement to a lookalike of people that have watched at least 50% of the length of the video. So it's using something at the top of that funnel that might pique their interest and it wouldn't have it salesy, pretty basic, um, and something that is relevant to them and it might empathize with them, particularly in the health industry. And relates to them. And then I'd create a retargeting advertisement from that way that would then bring them through to the benefits around hypnotherapy and then escalating to the point that come and book an appointment.
0: Got it. Now, you touched on Facebook Live, you touched on video and also Facebook Live video. It's obviously the new thing uh, for Mm. brands. And like you said, you know, obviously one of its benefits is that Facebook's very much promoting it quite heavily. In terms of then, and you may have touched on this with the hypnotherapy example, in terms of uh, vegan business owners using something like Facebook Live to to their advantage, because like you say, you don't really want to be making like a huge salesy video with Facebook Live. So can you give an example of say something – say – say something like myself for example the type of thing that I could do as a facebook live video uh, that's also going to be of benefit to to myself whether it's getting students on my online PR course or whether it's getting people over to my site and getting them opted in is it a case of me giving like um some tips on something like here's five tips to uh, if you're doing media interviews yeah. for example so it'll be practical stuff like that and people don't see that as kind of to salesy as long as you're giving decent content.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's You hit the nail on the head right at the head, there, Katrina, is as long as you're uh, helping people uh, leave that video differently than when they first arrived, that's all your content should, um, to look to achieve. So if it's, uh, for your instance, by doing education and informational sessions, if, that, if that's teaching them, then the Facebook Live has done its goal. And that's really... The, I guess the basis of any Facebook live video when you're thinking about a topic is how can I, um, uh, how can I change people after they've watched this video? Now that change doesn't necessarily need to be a huge change. It might simply be I've entertained them or they've, uh, they've built a bit more trust with my brand or I've shown the behind the scenes of my business and they've got a closer affinity, um, with my, with my business. And next time that they see my logo, they're probably more likely to pay attention. So, Facebook Live and that's the beauty of it is that it is pretty raw. uh, It builds a lot of trust and it's a great way to connect with people, not only from a tactical point of view in that like we said earlier, it's appearing in news feeds, et cetera, um, but it is really driving your message and your branding um, and it's honest and that's what people love uh, seeing particularly in digital marketing um, and, and from social media. I mean, you look at anything now, if it's not live and people, it's sort of a, I don't know, I'm not sure it's a natural um, characteristic of human beings that it's this kind of a, a voyeuristic um, and wanting to see what the unknown and the unpredictable is. I mean, going back to my sporting days, uh, if someone uh, was watching a game that was on a delay, they would hate that. They know that it's already been completed, regardless of whether they know the result or not. They want to know what's happening then and now. And because it's so immediate, um, people are loving and they are consuming a hell of a lot of Facebook Live video at the moment. So as far as a marketing tactic, and something that's simple, it's easy. I mean, you can you can go live from your desktop from your uh, from your laptop via your webcam uh, via your phone as well it's an honest account and it really connects with user base so if you are going to be doing like I said earlier any organic um, video, or any organic social media, then Facebook Live is a great tactic for you.
0: But Um, then we talked about how organic reach might be quite low. So even if you're doing, say, a a, a Facebook Live, like people have got to be kind of then and they can watch it afterwards, of course. But if they're not there and live, uh, do you know what I mean? There's no guarantee you're going to necessarily get a big audience to begin with, particularly if you're doing it as your page, like as your brand. Yeah. So would you then combine it somehow with paying for views and then what would you do would you select say video views as the desired outcome
1: yeah if i wanted to go and promote it yeah i would definitely um you have to use the video views objective for facebook live um because it's just a a raw video so any other objectives such as conversions or if they're clicking or oh, they're leaving Facebook needs to be in a, a link format. You can use a video, but it needs to be in the format of a link advertisement. But because the Facebook Live is already an organic post, you can't use that for clicks through the website. So no. um, you would use a video views objective. Um, and look, to be honest, when you first go Facebook Live on Facebook, uh, you might get one, two, maybe three viewers. Um, and uh, it, look, the first time you ever go Facebook Live is quite demoralizing. Um, but you need to keep in mind that over 90% of your views will come after the fact. And even if it isn't, if people don't tune in live then and there, because uh, they know that it's um, is raw and it's unedited they're still more likely to actually watch that video yeah. and out of any posts that they're set that facebook could drive into people on their news feeds facebook live videos are it so yeah, you can also use it as a different marketing tactic as well. I mean, I use it for uh, all of my content marketing on my own blog. I use, the first thing I do is go live on Facebook and I talk about a particular topic um, and then it drives all of the rest of the content that I do on the blog and across social media. So I'll get that live video, for instance, and I would get it transcribed and then I would edit that into uh, a blog post that makes sense when I'm not waffling on Facebook Live, obviously. Um, and then I would embed that video in the blog post. I would, if it was, for instance, you know, if you were talking about five tips, um, then I would take a minute, I would edit that video because you can save that video as well. Um, and you know, I'd bring that in and I would edit, chop that up into uh, five little minute um, pieces that go well on Instagram and I would upload them to Instagram. Oh. And then I would use also, obviously, once you've got a blog post there, you can send that out to LinkedIn, out to uh, Twitter, wherever else um, you're on social media. You can then create images and quotes, um, quote images for Instagram from the Facebook Live. So it's it's great because, um, and, and like I said, I use it as, I guess, the the hero piece to everything else that flows
0: got from it. that. So you're really so, multi it, You're repurposing your content. Exactly, a- and, that's,
1: yeah. and that's really the best way to do content marketing. I mean, I'm a business owner and I'm a small business, so I've got as much time as anyone else out there, but I know I need obviously talk the talk. I need to walk the walk, so I need yeah. to be consistent yeah. with these things, but I need to be smart around how I do it. So sure. um, Facebook Live is just an easier way to do that because it's it's not me – um, sitting in uh, front of a, a camera that I can edit, that I can chop and change, and I'm critical on myself, um, and, you know, cu- creating some kind of um, production that I would then upload after the fact. It's pretty raw it and is, is yeah. what it is, yeah. um, And but people connect with it
0: and so they Dan, enjoy it. would you put at the end of a video like that, would you like – or can you do that? Or would you just say verbally, like, so you're being recorded and, hey, if you want to find out more, go to, you know, organicdigital.com.au or go to veganbusinessmedia. Like, would you say, like, your website, given that you, like you say, you can't, it is live, so you can't really flash yeah. text up. Would you say something, like, is it all right to say something like that at the end? Yeah, so you can,
1: yeah, absolutely. You can do, do a couple of different things. Firstly, use the uh, the description or the caption of your Facebook Live to your benefit, so create something that's like writing a headline for something, write something that will grab people's um, attention and that will want them to hit play or to stop scrolling on their phone and watch, um, so use that area, and then also you can refer to any links discussed um, throughout the Facebook Live, you can put them into the comments um, oh, okay. of the video as well, and you can do things like pin comments, so If I know I'm going to talk about, um, you know, a particular tools or websites, um, I would, I would have that pre-prepared and I would also always pre-prepared before Facebook Live as well, just having some talking points so I can stay on track and that I don't ramble too much, which <laughs> you listeners probably tell already I'm very good at. Um, <laughs> but they, I, it would keep me on track to then I can basically just copy and paste a comment either during if I want to multitask, which I'm not very good at, um, but I can copy and paste that into <laughs> the comments at the end of the video and people can then find out more information by simply going through to the comments or if you are looking at doing more and more Facebook Live and you want to get better at it um, there are some third party tools out there that you can actually use that are more of a production standard um, and they vary in pricing some of them I use one I think is $20 a month, um, and there's some free ones out there that do allow you to put you know lower thirds on the bottom of screens that flash up with um, you know URLs for people to take action, um, they can't actually click on the, on the video itself to be taken anywhere but if you want a Visual cue, you can use those programs to be able to bring in words and images and other videos, etc., as well. So it's more of a polished type production. Oh, okay. um, Got it. But, you know, I'm obviously the business and and or not, um, but if you want to, you know, go all in on Facebook Live, then certainly investigate some of those third-party tools because there are a lot of them out there. Um, and you would have seen a lot of uh, when you know, any uh, news brand or uh, media publisher goes live on Facebook, they would be. Plugging into a third party tool that basically connects to their camera so it's and then streams directly to Facebook that way.
0: Got it. So, so you have touched on that in terms of should you stream as your brand, like your Facebook page, or your personal profile?
1: Yeah, definitely you, you Facebook page, um, your Facebook page. There's people on Facebook page that are interested in what you have to say on this. Um, but also because from your Facebook page, you can create uh, the Facebook engagement audiences, which are those in custom audiences I spoke about earlier with watching the different lengths of the video. So you can actually create custom audiences on people that have either watched certain percentages of my video or have actually engaged with any of my posts recently. So it will actually show you it will put them the viewers of your Facebook Live in custom audiences that you can then retarget via advertisements after that.
0: Okay. So if you do it from your brand page, it will basically show to anyone who's, or well, it will show to a certain percentage of people who've liked your page, but after yep. that, you can then retarget it, or you can target it to custom audiences.
1: Yes, yes. If you wanna you know, if you wanna promote that video again or if you yeah, you know, obviously if they've gone and watched your Facebook Live, then you might want to send them a different advertisement to say, Hey, thanks for tuning into my Facebook Live. Here is a link to my XYZ product that I mentioned, um, or here is a link to another piece of content that might be interested.
0: So Facebook Live think. video is quite good for kind of it's another touch point rather than say leading to a direct sale.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Funny, yeah, and sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, and sometimes they can lead to direct sales but, of course, it just depends where that user is in the customer journey. Um, yeah. If it's the first time they've seen a Facebook Live then they're less likely to convert that someone that's, you know, seen your last five, six or seven Facebook Lives and has um, got to know you and got to know your business and then when you mention the link to that product then maybe they are likely to convert. So got it's it. about being consistent um, and doing it uh, often and um, yeah, just really being, focusing on what that content is that you're going to talk about in the video and like I said, it comes back to wanting of. Uh, uh, or send in the viewer a way different than when they arrived. Got that's, it. Got it. That's a key piece that you need to think about before you ever go live on Facebook.
0: Got it. In terms of budget, and I know this is probably it's obviously hugely subjective, depending on the type of business and the campaign and the <laughs> goal and everything. But in your opinion, I mean, what's the minimum amount, either per day or a lifetime budget, required to realistically get some decent results and ROI from a Facebook ad? Yeah,
1: look, it is a, how long is a piece of Yeah, I was just
0: but, thinking that when you said that. <laughs>
1: but it is, um the way I actually um, look at it, and, and look, to be honest, uh, the minimum you can do per ad set, so per audience, is $5, depending on the um, objective, so $5 per day, rather. Right. Um, and look, I have seen results with that, with minimum budgets, um, but they just take longer. So that's one thing that people need to be wary of that whatever budget it is you're going to spend, it's just really um, lengthens the amount of time that you'll, until you see results from your advertisements. But when people ask that question, and it is inevitably either the first or the last question, it's funny Uh how people, when they um, ask about Facebook advertising, but I kind of work back. And there's a formula that I sort of use um, that helps give people a better idea on what budget they're looking at. So there's four things that people need to determine what sort of um, budget they need on Facebook advertising. Firstly, they need to know how much they want to earn so what that final number is that they want to hit, they need to have some idea around that goal. And this is also a really good exercise for people to think about your marketing goals and what you actually want to get from Facebook advertising. So it has kind of that cross-benefit of them thinking about why they're doing Facebook ads as well. Um, so how much you want to earn, uh, What? how much is your product or on average if you've got a number of different products or how much is a purchase worth to you? Um, you also need to know roughly what your conversion rate is. So, and that can be different, obviously, depending on, um, the industry and, uh, depending where they are in your sales funnel as well. But you need to have a rough conversion rate or something that you want to hit, um, that will then also determine how much you need to spend. And the last thing is what am I willing to pay to have that opportunity to convert them? So there's, just recap from the start, there's how much I want to earn how much is a product, what your conversion rate is and how much am I willing to pay to convert them. So let's say, for instance, I'll just keep this really simple for exercise um, things. Uh, if you want to make, let's say, $1,000, so yeah. if you, your end goal was, I want to make $1,000 and to keep this simple, I'll say the average price of my product is $10, right? So to hit my 1K goal, I need to sell 100 products. Right. Then if um, my conversion rate was because I've done a proper strategy and I know that Facebook users are more likely to convert at the end of that sales funnel. So if I say I did a proper strategy, my conversion rate was 20% or let's say one in five people converts to actually buy that product. So then if I know, then I think about, all right, well, how much am I willing to pay to get in front of those people? So, you know, once you take our profit margins, et cetera, how much can I give up that I can drive someone through to my sales page or whatever it is? Uh, and let's, let's just keep it simple and say I'm willing to pay a dollar to bring people through to my sales page. So if one in every five converts and you need 100 sales, then you need to reach at least 500 people. And so, if I need to reach overall 500 people because I want to try and get my 100 sales, and I know that I'm paying a dollar per person, then I need to spend $500 to earn my $1,000 at
0: the end. Right, I see. Cool. Okay. So it's working.
1: It's kind of a different way to look at it, but mm. it helps people. It, it's the best. Um, it, it's the best estimate or the best indication I can give to people around what they can expect. Um, to pay around what results they're going to get, so and it also helps them think about their numbers, and it gives us targets to be able to hit. And you can adjust any of those, you know, conversion rates and what you're willing to pay, and then that obviously adjusts the numbers, and you can see whether it is worth to you or how much you need to spend each, you know, week, month, throughout the year, whatever it is. Um, and it can help give that a bit, bit more of an idea.
0: Got it. This is great. You're sharing so much um, good. Good intel and strategies, and I'm aware of time. So, what I want to ask you is: obviously, this is all great, and if people have got the time to do it, and we touched on how about how small business owners are particularly time poor of even sharing organic stuff, never mind digging into you know Facebook ads, which takes yeah. a lot of time and energy, not only to come up with a strategy, but also then to analyse the data, etc. So, obviously, that's a big benefit of working with a social media marketer and agency such as yourself. So, what specifically then do you do? Like how do they how do people like yeah if someone wants to sign up to be a client with you, how does that all work and what do you do for them in terms yeah. of social?
1: So I always start from uh, with a, a pretty intensive session at the start and I'll work back from what their end goal is uh, and to the point of when they first see that brand. So it's a bit of a concept session that talks about things like what offer we're going to put in front of them, um, who we're going to put it in front of, um, when we're going to put it in front of them. And then we lay it all out so we can sort of see the start to finish funnel. And it's really interesting for business owners to be able to see that in to get someone you know uh, to purchase or convert or through their doors or whatever it is the steps that they need to take to be able to do that so we always start with that session Um, then we work on who it is we're going to be targeting and then what creative we need to put in front of them so they can actually take action Uh, and that's as I said earlier it's sometimes the last thing that people think about but it's actually probably the most important part because it's what they're seeing, uh, and if if it's not relevant to them or it's not engaging or intriguing enough to them, um, and you need to obviously have a, a really good offer as well, then they're simply not going to convert. So the creative and the offer are really critical to this. And the biggest benefit that um, most people see from working with someone like myself is that you know I get deep into the numbers and the analytics and think about the funnel and the, you know, driving someone from one step to the next. And I can get deep in that, but what they can actually focus on is what the offer is and what creative they need to create um, that is relevant to their customer base. And it's really beneficial to them, I feel, because, they're not thinking of uh, someone as a sales funnel or as a number where they're driving them from one step to the other. And I'll be completely honest, I've been guilty of this myself with some of my own marketing. I, I did a campaign and I laid it out from start to finish and thinking, all right, well, this is a funnel and we'll drive and we'll send them this video and then we'll tag them with that and they'll go to the next one mm-hmm. and then they'll do that and then we'll drive them to this video and they'll see that. And it was this whole convoluted strategy but I got lost too much in the analytics and the data necessary that I didn't actually focus on putting something in front of them that was
0: right, relevant. got, it, got um, it. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah.
1: So it, it is It is really it's something that business owners love that they can just focus on it. They can have a bit of fun with it because we're all passionate about our business and they have the opportunity to create something. And something that you know, they're, all, they're really passionate about and everyone loves their own business and they want as many people to see it as possible so they can focus purely on that
0: Sure.
1: while I'm in the background and doing all the data, doing the full setup from start to finish yeah. and then giving them insights that are valuable to them. So that's also another big benefit of working with someone that's an expert in this area is that they can analyse the data, know what benchmarks are, for you know relevant industries obviously and then you can actually get some really interesting marketing insights that can help with future marketing campaigns and you know for other marketing channels and you know can drive product enhancement and business development as well
0: got so. it now what guarantees if any do you offer and I say this with the provider. so for example you know, <laughs> yeah. I help people with their PR and I always say I'm always very upfront. is I say never trust anyone who says they can guarantee getting you <laughs> yeah. because do you know what I mean there are no guarantees but what we can do is you know you keep, by using an expert obviously you are maximizing Your opportunities, knowing that they are going to, you know, go all out and use all their resources, contacts, whatever, to help you with that. So, how does that work in terms of Facebook, or, you know, particularly like running a Facebook ad campaign? Because, like we've said, we've had business owners say, oh, you know, I'm already spending money on Facebook and I'm not seeing results. Now I've got to spend money, like getting this person to manage it for me and I've got to come up with the budget. So, how do you, like, sort of get around that? Or, yeah, Yeah, where where do you stand on that?
1: I'm the same, Katrina. Look, if I could guarantee it, I'd. Results, I'd be sitting on the beach in Bahamas right now. Um, But uh, look, there are some people out there, and I've seen advertisements get served to me to say, "Well, guarantee if you don't get results, you don't pay." But um, often they have you need to qualify, you need large budgets, and uh, for me, that doesn't really interest me in working with huge, massive budgets for large corporations. I'd much rather. work with budgets that are realistic and with the people that are actually making a difference, which are all the small um, vegan business owners out there. So um, I'd rather get a success story for those people. And look, I I can't determine what the market is going to do. I mean, particularly in today's political climate, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, for instance. If there's a financial crisis and something crashes, I can't guarantee that. But I can guarantee that um, if you're willing to go and do it properly and go all in, then if you focus on getting a great offer and great creative out there, then the rest will take care of itself. You'll find the audience that it's relevant to. um, You'll be able to find the objectives and all the tactics um, will work themselves out. But if you just focus on getting a great offer and coming up with great creative to put in front of people. Your Facebook ads will be um, successful because it's not. You like going back to me looking at people as a number and driving people from one set to the next mm. is looking at, at them as a person and that's what resonates with people in Facebook advertising and that's why it's so much different than any other advertising medium out there yeah. in that you're really trying to connect with that user and you're interrupting their browsing experience. Like you're the difference between them scrolling down and um, seeing what their friends been up to, or seeing one of their family members post. So you need to respect that, and you need to put something in front of them that's incredibly valuable. And if you just focus on that, they're the two things. If they get anything else out of this interview, just take away that when I set up a Facebook advertisement, I'm going to have an amazing offer, and I'm going to have really awesome creative. They're the two things that people need. Wonderful. So f-
0: well, I think people are going to take way more than just those two things out of this interview, Dan. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I've learned heaps from you already, but from this interview, the guest post that you've already did on the veganbusinessmedia.com blog, um, which I, I will put a link to in the show notes page. Yep. And I believe as well you're also happy to speak to people. Um, it, we're going to put a link on the show notes page as well. So if, if you've got any questions, like once you've heard this interview and you've got any specific questions for Dan around this, um, we will put a link on the show notes page and for you to be able to get on a call with them as a, a special offer to Vegan Business Talk listeners. It's yeah. very generous of you. And it doesn't matter where they are in the world, is that right? No, no, look, we can jump on phone or locally. Skype
1: or whatever. It's uh, no obligation. We'll just jump on and we can chat through whatever you would like, whether it be Facebook advertising, Facebook Live, if you haven't know, run any campaigns yet or maybe you've got questions about something that we've spoken about in this interview or maybe you're running campaigns at the moment, we can jump on Skype and you can share your screen and I can just do some quick um, campaign diagnosis and see how it's going and maybe where you can change. And look, if people have got this far through um, this podcast and have listened to me for this long, then clearly <laughs> they're motivated to um, uh-huh. to take some action for their business. So I'm more than happy to help out the people out there and particularly vegan business owners because... I want as many vegan um, businesses out there to be in front of as many potential vegans as possible because they're in the future, they're making an incredible difference on the world and I'd love to be able to help um, help you make that change.
0: Fantastic. So. I think it's wonderful that we've actually, like you said, because there's so much out there and it's like, oh, who do we trust? Who can we not trust? So I'm really happy to be able to bring someone like yourself on who is a vegan, who is, you know, an expert digital marketer, lots of experience. You obviously know what you're doing. If you check out Dan's website, there's a ton of other blog posts and videos videos um, that you can learn from which is fantastic so I think it's really great that you're around and you're doing this so thank you so much for coming on and doing the show today Dan it's been a real pleasure
1: pleasure absolutely thank you so much Katrina I really appreciate it
0: so that was Dan Pinay from Organic Digital you can find out more at organicdigital.com.au and organic is spelt with a k in it And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 69. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Seaweed is coming into its own as an alternative to pasta, with sea spaghetti gaining in popularity, according to global research company Mintel. Sea Spaghetti is particularly favoured by people on gluten-free, paleo, low-carb and vegan diets and new pasta brands are focusing more on projecting a natural, healthy image. In 2016, 15% of all pasta launches were gluten-free. The move to Sea Spaghetti is part of a wider trend of pasta brands seeking alternative ingredients to the traditional wheat, such as cauliflower and rice. Jodie Minotto, global food and drink analyst at Mintel, said the company expects to see more pasta brands experiment with sea-based alternatives, including algae, as a way to introduce new ocean flavours, nutritional benefits and colours to traditional pasta. So these kinds of trends are useful for vegan food makers to stay on top of. Health-conscious consumers can be a strong market for you to target your goods to. As you know, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, the plant-based alternatives market is growing rapidly, with dairy companies keen to get in on the action. And it's not just the West that's embracing the move. One of China's largest processed foods companies is expanding into the soy and plant-based milk arena, reports Bloomberg. Want Want, China Holdings, a Hong Kong-listed company, plans to introduce its line of soy and oat milk this year as it forecasts the market for plant-based milk will more than double to about 55 billion yuan, that's 8 billion US dollars, within two to three years. Speaking at the China Dairy Summit in Beijing, Alex Cheng Junjuang, the company's General Director of Research and Development, said... We've put lots of investment into researching and developing kids' packet foods like oat milk, coconut milk and cereal milk that we'll soon be introducing in the market. Now, this doesn't mean they're ditching dairy anytime soon, unfortunately. Many of these large companies worldwide are hedging their bets. But if we continue to educate and innovate, the plant-based categories will become more popular and eventually, hopefully, we'll see the end of animal products altogether. It's all about trends this week. Another area that's seeing a growth in popularity is vegan egg alternatives. We've seen Follow Your Heart expand its reach internationally, and now Australian company Orgran has launched Vegan Easy Egg. The product, which comes in 250 gram packs, is made up of ingredients including chickpea flour, vegetable protein, garlic powder and turmeric, and the company claims they contain the equivalent of 15 eggs. All Orgrans products, which include crackers, biscuits, pasta, snacks and baking items, are free from gluten, wheat, dairy, egg and yeast, and are vegan. Made in a dedicated allergen-free facility, they're available in independent supermarkets and health stores in more than 55 countries. So again, we're continuing to see innovative products being developed for health-conscious customers, food allergy sufferers and, of course, vegans. And if you're worried that certain markets might be getting flooded, remember what Seth Tibbett, founder of Tofurkey, said in episode six of this podcast and in my book, Vegan Ventures, a rising tide lifts all boats, meaning that as product categories become more popular, it's a win for everyone. Finally, the best place to work in Canada, especially for women, is a vegan company. Protein supplement firm Vega was recently named as Canada's best employer in the medium organisation category by the Canadian arm of international workplace consulting and research firm Great Place to Work, the company behind Fortune's annual top 100 best companies list, reports Veg News. Each year, Great Place to Work conducts in-depth company culture analyses based on surveys of randomly selected employees to reward businesses that go over and above to look after their staff and provide literally a great place to work. Among the cool initiatives offered to Vega Topians, that's the nickname given to Vega employees, are a $75 green incentive to those who don't require a parking space and instead travel to work by other methods. The company also took out the top gong in the best workplaces for women in Canada, its third consecutive win. How fantastic is this? It provided great media exposure for Vega and really positions vegan businesses and veganism in a positive light. And it can be well worth entering awards like these because you can use them in your marketing. And even if you don't take out the top gong, you can still maximise being a finalist or in the top 50, for example. So have a think about what awards or certifications are available to your brand. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.